Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Jim, Dustin Whitwer here with the Finding Backcountry Podcast. How are you doing? Oh, hey, you, you phoned me a little bit earlier. It's very late. Just, I got to get rid of my other line. Hold on a sec. Yeah, no worries. Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> no, I'm... I'm sorry. I, uh, I, I tried. No, you were you were you were in early. It's 11 a.m. You were you were bang on time. I was uh, I lost track of time. Well, I uh, I appreciate your time, and I know it's valuable. Um, you know, I, I I doubt you remember. I ran into you at the Hunt Expo and uh, forced forced you to take a picture with me, and I appreciated that. Um, you you looked busy at that time too. So, um, but I'm I'm just. Uh, kind of in disbelief that you're willing to uh, sit down and talk with someone like me, um, you know, on a, in a podcast setting. Um, are you, now are you, are you traveling? Are you on the road right now? No, I'm actually at home sitting at my desk. Uh, I was, uh, I went for my hike this morning and, and I've been going from phone call to phone call to phone call here <laughs> over the last, uh, since I got back, I haven't had a chance to have a shower. So, Good thing you can't see me, or it'd be it'd be all stinky and sweaty. Oh, that's okay. I wouldn't mind. Um, yeah, we, we just—I actually just got got back from Mexico. I was down there hunting red rocket deer. Uh, so I, I just got back from that a couple of days ago, and I, I head to Pennsylvania tomorrow to speak at a banquet there, and then sure. I don't know German, Germany, Spain, and South Africa all in a row. So, so I was my my first question is going to be what's uh. You know, everyone's familiar with Jim Shockey, um, I, I believe, at least. And, you know, you've got all your TV shows and stuff like that, um, Uncharted and Jim Shockey's Adventures and The Professionals. And I, I think you're the one guest that I can honestly say everyone will be familiar with who you are. Um, so maybe instead of, you know, the typical, you know, where you come from and what, you know, what your background is, maybe just what your next what's your next big thing or what's something uh, coming up that you're most excited about? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of live this life. So, so I don't really, you know, <laughs> big things. I, I, I kind of don't separate it out. It's just, I go from one, from one adventure to the next. And, and it's, I, I mean, I love them all. It doesn't matter. There's not one that's bigger or, or more important to me than the others. And it, and it doesn't matter if I'm going to hunt, rabbits somewhere or you know a, a, a giant three-toed dinosaur in, in some lost land it, it, i'm just as excited every single time and you know it's because of the the uh you know i just love being outside and 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 hunting you know and, and, and hunting not just the kill which which obviously people focus on in the popular press and try and make it sound like that's all we do you know, you know but on that you know, the other 99% of what hunting's about, you know, the, 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 even if it's practicing ahead of time or thinking about it or gathering the materials and, and products you need to take on the hunt and then learning the history of the place and 
meeting the people, you know, learning the their, you know, type of, of food and, and uh, you know, their dress and learning about the history, like I say, of the place. And, you know, then learning about the animal and the people that are there that know about these animals that are obviously the experts because you can't be when you go to these countries. Right. You know, so, so, so every single hunt to me is exciting. But, but I mean, if you break it down, like I was saying, I'm headed to speak in Pennsylvania at a banquet tomorrow and then back for two days and off to Germany for the Iwa hunting slash gun show and then straight to Spain to try actually hunting a Bissetti Ibex and then down to South Africa to try hunting a Limpopo bushbuck right on the Limpopo River. And, uh, you know, I've hunted him before, but I just want to hunt him again. Uh, and then I get back and go to Peru for uh, the high Andes whitetail. And uh, that's my fourth try for that particular critter. They're way up at about 14, 15, 16,000 feet in elevation. So there's one of, they're one of the highest animals in the world to hunt elevation-wise, uh, right up there with the Turuka deer. Yeah. And I, I think I go to Turkey to hunt uh, the um, Eurasian roebuck or Asian or no European roebuck in Asia. There's an area of Turkey that has them, and and uh, from there, a pretty special hunt is down to Louisiana to hunt alligator snapping turtles. So that that takes <laughs> us up to to May. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After that, I get busy because we start our guiding season for spring bears. Yeah, after that, you get busy. I uh, I don't think I can yep. fit that in in a lifetime, um, and I probably won't. But well, you know, and that's that's uh, for someone like me who grew up, um, you know, watching Jim Shockey's Shockey's uh, hunting adventures with your muzzleloader and your red bandana. And I mean, you're you're clearly living your passion, you know, you're, you're, you're living your dream and you're someone who, you know, maybe follows their dreams and, and, and took the advice. I think, you know, whether, whether you got it directly or not, like I think a lot of people did that you can do whatever you want in this life. Um, you're, you're doing it and you're making a living doing it. Um, talk, talk briefly about, you know, the gap from maybe where a a listener is right now who, has those ambitions to getting to the point, you know, not necessarily, no one's going to be Jim Shockey, but maybe someone who wants to, to fill that gap and, and make a living following their passions. You know, it, it's, it's pretty simple. I, I get young guys asking me all the time, the same question, how do I get to, you know, do what you do? So, you, you know, mm-hmm. and I tell them the same thing, you, you know, Hey, you, you start working, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, and, and don't stop for the next 30 years. You, you know, as you work, other people fall by the wayside. You know, they, they you know, I get, you know, competition as it were, other people that want to do the same thing, but they don't. It, it takes, it takes determination and, and uh, you know, a discipline, a work ethic that's just stronger than, than the next guy. And, and you're kind of, the last one left standing doing this after 30 years. So it, it takes hard work and be prepared, you know, for the sacrifices as well. You're not going to be able to sit and watch the football game on Sunday right. and, and drink beers. I mean, you're not you get over it. You're, you're not going to be there for your children's soccer game every time. Are you, are you prepared to make that sacrifice? Cause it's not just you that, that, you're, you know, you're making these sacrifices. It's your family. 
you know, they're not, you know, your, your son or your daughter is not going to have you there for that soccer game. And it, you know, are you prepared to marry someone or that's willing to put up with that? Because that takes a special person. And, you know, that person obviously has to be independent and that takes a different, you know, it's a different relationship that, you know, if, if you want to be together every night, it's not going to happen. You're going to, you're going to have to have trust in each other and, and respect for each other and respect for each other's uh, way of life. Your, your spouse is going to have to be incredibly strong to, to, because you're not going to necessarily be there when, you know, it's been a rough day. Right. So, so th- there's so much that goes into doing what I do and, and it's not for everybody. It's, it's a nice idea, but it's, it's not for everybody. And, and if, if you really, really want it, then like I say, then, then here's what you have to do on the work side of it. And, and yet, you know, it's hard to call it a job because it's too much fun to call it an actual job. So, I mean, I love work. I mean, I love work. What I do is I, I love, um, you know, I don't wake up every morning thinking, oh, I got to go to work today. I, I wake up, you know, 4.30, 5.30, whatever it is, or sleep until 7. Uh, and, you know, bingo, I'm awake going, yeah, I get to do all this all day. And it's not, you know, I'm not in the, the woods hunting day, but I got to go for a hike. Yeah. You know, carry my backpack, it keeps me in shape. So, you know, it's a, you know, on, the, on one hand, I'm tr- trying to say that it's a lot of work and a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice. Uh, on the other hand, I, you know, if I had to do it all over, I absolutely would, would do it again. So, you know, I think it's the greatest lifestyle. You may not be rich in dollars, but you're rich in experiences. How uh, so, how yeah. how long have you been married to Luis? Thirty three years. Not to, uh, not to put, coming up. Not to put a guy on the spot with that question. I know that can be. <laughs> no heck no. Luis is. I was head over head over heels in love with Luis from the first date we had together, and I'm even more head over heels in love now. So. So I better know how many years yeah. we've been married. Do you think that she has, uh, in those 33 years, do you think she's even been surprised at um, maybe how much you hunt or or how how passionate you are about hunting? <laughs> well, here, here I'll give you, I'll give I'll answer that question with a story. Um, we I met her at a dance class. I went to dance class. I was trying to look for. I thought, where would you find pretty girls? And and then I figured, well, dance class, you know, at, at the bar, there's just too much competition. Yeah. But at, at a dance class, it can't be much. And, and I walked in, there was 30, 30 women in that dance class and one gay guy. And, and the teacher was Louise. She was actually the dance instructor. It was a dance ballet jazz. Uh, anyway, long story short, we, we went out for five months. I asked her to marry me on November 1st which is kind of whitetail season in Saskatchewan. And, and we set a date for November 30th. You know, she said, well, let's make it for two years down the way. And I said, no, you know, if you're, if you're, you love me. And she said, yeah. And I said, well, then why would we wait? You know, my plan was just not to give her a chance to have two years to think about it. <laughs> it was like, let's get married before you, you know, while well, she's still reeling for the question. Yeah. So we set a date for November 30th, 30 days away. I left to go hunting November 2nd. And I came back November 28th. We were married November 30th. So the four weeks I spent hunting, well, she arranged the entire marriage or wedding, and ceremonies, all that stuff, uh, reception. And so to answer your question, Louise knew what she was getting into when, uh, 
you know, certainly by the time she said, yes, I do. <laughs> she may not have known when she said, yes, I will. But uh, when she said to the, to the minister, yes, I do. Yeah. You know, her sickness and health forever and ever. And, uh, you know, that, that uh, she knew what she was getting into. That's uh, similar, similar, I guess, to, uh, to my experience. My wife and I got married on August 8th. And down here in Nevada, where I'm from, um, the bow hunt, the archery uh, deer hunt opens. It, in fact, it used to open on the 1st. And when we got married, we, we were originally going to get married on the 1st, which would have been about seven days before that. And I, I made her push it back to the 8th because my brother and my dad and myself were going to be on that deer hunt. And uh, anyway, so we, we got married. Well, now Nevada moved it to the 10th. That, that deer hunt opens on the 10th, and we do that every year. And so I have, you know, and, and you know how it is for us, you know, kind of Western blue-collar guys. We, uh, you know, maybe two or three hunts a year. And so we'll, we try to show up early and scout it and hike in, you know, hundreds of miles and um, so we're, we always leave, we always leave by the eighth. And, uh, so I have yet in eight years, eight and a half years of marriage, I've yet to be, uh, home or present on, on our anniversary <laughs> and we're, we're still married. Yeah. Um, but she, I, I hope she knew what she was getting into. So that's, yeah, that's how it goes. Uh, well, yeah, that's the, uh, same with, same with me. I have, I've made my first anniversary, my 10th, my 20th, 25th. <laughs> And uh, I think that's all yeah. over the years because November 30th, our season closes about December 2nd. So it seems like November 30th is the, the best uh, the best day for hunting. Yeah, well, that's how it goes. Well, this is uh, I appreciate those kind of stories. This is a, a backcountry hunting podcast too. What uh, talk maybe about the advice you would give? And, and this this is maybe an unfair question, but what's what's a couple pieces of advice you would give a a new backcountry hunter, um, that, or a you know a relatively new backcountry hunter. Uh, you know, I I would say one one of the things that makes hunting most enjoyable, especially if you're if you're going to be doing that backpacking, you know, in the wilderness stuff, is is physical conditioning. It's really no fun when you have to try and get in shape on the hunt. It's it's so much so much more enjoyable when you come into the hunt being in shape already, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, I, I just can't speak, you know, too much on that, that it, we, we live a great lifestyle when you're a hunter anyway, but, but even so, you know, most of us have day jobs and it's, it's hard to stay in shape, but, but, you know, every, if you can spend, you know, half an hour to an hour every second day, you know, make the time to, to do something physical, keep active. It'll, it'll sure make the hunting more enjoyable when you're, when you're actually up on the mountain. Yeah. So that, that's, that's one of the most important things. The, the, um, the other is, is don't get caught up in, in, you know, the success of the hunt being measured by killing something or not killing something. Just being out there, you know, in, in, in practicing the art of hunting is is reward in and of itself i mean it's still a beautiful day even if it's raining i mean there's something beautiful about every day you're in the mountains and it's if you put the pressure on to kill something and that's the only measure of success then you're setting yourself up for failure if you're if you're going into the backwoods with the with the point of view that hey 
you know, look what I'm getting to do today. I'm out in this beautiful wilderness, enjoying the fresh air, getting exercise you know, with my, you know, my buddies um, and looking at wildlife. I mean, goodness sakes, that, that in, a, in, a, in and of itself is, is a fantastic A, holiday, B, great way to spend, you know, this life and, and uh, see if you, if you get an animal, that's a bonus. That's, that's not how you measure the success of a hunt. So, so that way you'll, you'll go in with a, a mindset that every hunt is a success. Yeah. And, and if you get an animal, even better. And of course you'll enjoy it more when you're in good shape. Talk about um, relative to, to being caught up on the successes. Um, maybe talk briefly about how you've seen social media change hunting in your lifetime and, and specifically, you know, worrying about the, the trophy or the harvest. Yeah. I, I, the social media is an interesting thing. I mean, it, it's a double-edged sword. We, we get to reach so many more people, you know, potentially reach so many more people, um, you know, which is the good news with our message because, you know, uh, 50 years ago, or even when I started in the industry, television was just coming really into its own, or not even into its own. It was just beginning. Before that, you know, I mean, I wrote a thousand articles for magazines. That's the only way we could really reach out to A, our audience, and B, to try and increase the number of hunters or increase awareness of the, the wonders of hunting. You know, now the problem was when they, people look at a newsstand, they, they don't pick up the hunting magazine. Because they, you know, if they're a non-hunter, why would they? They're not interested. You know, I wouldn't necessarily pick up a, a airplane magazine. You know, so non-hunters wouldn't necessarily pick up a hunting magazine. So we couldn't reach people. Now with social media, we can reach people, which is the good news. The bad news is now we can reach people. <laughs> so our our message, if it's distorted or mutated, is you know taken out of context you know, that's, that it, it does actually a disservice to reaching those people or, or a disservice to hunting and hunters. You know, we, we want to, uh, you know, so, so in that regard, what, what's changed is we have to be more responsible as hunters on the message that we're, we're giving out to the, you know, in, into, you know, that, that nether, uh, ether world of, of uh, social media. We've got to self-regulate. So yes, we might think it's real cool to show a picture of, you know, us, whatever, holding a trophy with the tongue sticking out and, you know, showing where the arrow went in and made a big hole or whatever. I don't know. I'm just picking an example. But, you know, we're not just showing that picture to other hunters who understand the whole process. And this wasn't just meant to be a kill. You know, there's the whole, you know, practice, just getting an arrow, animal with an arrow is, takes skill, it takes effort, it takes practice, you know, months of hours, you know, per week, and months in advance to be able to put that arrow where it belongs. We, we understand all that, but to someone who's not a hunter that suddenly gets, you know, that message shared from somebody who they know, who happens to know somebody who's a hunter, and then it shows up on their Facebook, uh, the... Uh, you know, they just see the kill and the bloody arrow and, and the hunter smiling over the kill. And they think it's, you know, they can't help but think, well, that hunt, you know, hunting's bad because that's all they think about is that. Right. So, you know, we have to 
self-regulate on what we post for pictures, um, how we present hunting as well. You know, show that other 90% of what hunting is really about. Show the, make sure that every picture is caveated with some sort of a message about conservation. I mean, it's so important. So it's a great thing, social media, but it's also, like I say, a double-edged sword. If we don't responsibly use that sword, you end up cutting yourself with, you know, the backside of it. Right. So we, we just have to self-regulate and be responsible for what we post nowadays. Um, relative to social media or, or maybe just the industry in general, um, who is, who's maybe someone either well-known or, or maybe not so well-known that you're impressed with, um, you know, within the hunting community? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't follow a lot of people. I, I follow Cam Haynes. Um, Cam's a Western hunter and, and, you know, he's got the sort of extreme athleticism market cornered. I mean, he is the man. He'll run 230-mile races, like 230 miles. Heck, you know, I mean, I might walk that in on my hike, you know, five miles a day. How long does that take me? 40, 46 days? You know, it's crazy. You know, he, he does it He does it in, you know, one run. Um, you know, so Cam's, and he's got a, you know, good, solid grasp of conservation. I follow Cam and I recommend people following Cam. Um, you know, I follow Hunter Speak is another one. Uh, let me think there's another one. Um, I'd have to open my phone because I, I just look at a picture. I don't yeah. actually know the names, but awesome. Hunter Speak is great. They have, a, they have a good message when they're out there. What's, there's another one that shows old-time hunting photos. Uh, oh, yeah, the uh, old, old school hunting. Old school hunting. That, I don't know if that's one I'm... Oh, maybe it is, but they're they're great. I, I love looking at the old traditional photos. Um, but that, yeah, those are those are the you know. And plus, I, I follow things like the you know the manufacturers, Loophole, Nosler. I, I like seeing what they're what they're posting. Mountain Ops. I like Yeti. You know, so I, so those are all kind of industry people, not necessarily private individuals that are you know making their way in this hunting world companies that are that are doing it the right way i um, think so yeah. yeah you know what uh maybe going back to more hunting what uh what's maybe a failure that has helped you become a better hunter or maybe what's your favorite failure <laughs> yeah i mean anytime you miss you know and I, I try and find a happy place and keep those compartmentalized in that you know, dark spot of my memories that I, I don't go back to. But I mean, it, you know, every miss that I've ever had is, is, you know, reconfirmed that when you pull the trigger on, whether it's a bow or, or a rifle muzzleloader, it doesn't matter. You know, th- there's got to be that moment of ice time where as, as much as you, as excited as you, you are in that second, you just have to overcome that and, and just, go calm, dead calm, be centered in within yourself and take the shot. Then you can get excited. I mean, I, I still try and control it after in case you got to shoot twice, but, uh, but you know, I think that's, you know, anytime that I've missed, it, it always comes down to, well, mostly it was my own fault because I, I rushed the shot. I, I wasn't in that moment. Like I say, I call it ice time. There's got to be one, two seconds when you're just, doesn't matter who's jabbering at you, you know, a guy, saying shoot 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 or you know in your mind that 
I've hunted for three years for this particular animal. There it is. I got to rush the shot. No, you just got to stop and and be calm. So, so that's, I think the, you know, talking failures, I'm talking about the actual, actual instant when you, when you have to pull the trigger and it just, you have to control it. You have to find that spot, whatever tool it takes to get there where the world just calms down. And for two seconds, that's all you got to keep it together for is two seconds and, and you, uh, you make the shot. Do you, you know, you, you obviously hunt more than, than the average person. That's probably fair to say. Do you, but do you have, um, maybe a couple things that you do when you're not hunting at home while you're just kind of practicing, um, that, that prepare you for those moments or is it just experience in the field or what do you think? Uh, I mean, if, if you're number one, you have to, you have to be proficient with whatever weapon you're using, whether it's a rifle, muzzleloader, or bow and arrow. Now, you know, I've shot tens of thousands of rounds out of, out of my muzzleloader and rifles over the years, you know, even handgun and, and, uh, you know, 22. I, I, I actually nowadays don't practice shooting my rifle. I, I you know, I, I just can do it. Right. Um, but I did practice at one time. So that, that was, you know, at the beginning of my career, absolutely. You, you, you've got to be so good. I mean, I've lifted a rifle to my shoulder with a scope to be able to find, you know, the object that I'm, I'm, I want to find in the scope instantly a million times, probably a million. And, and Bino, same thing, being able to lift and look quickly, find the animal, you know, just by holding the, the binos up to your eyes, it's important. You know, it gives you that extra split second to judge and then drop and get your rifle up and then find the animal quickly in your scope. I mean, that's all practicing. I, and so someone that's maybe, you know, doesn't hunt 300 days a year like I do, you know, that I would say practice that. Make sure you're practicing. That that's with a rifle. With a bow, that's an ongoing. I, I'm you know I can pick up a bow and shoot pretty good out to 40 yards. But you know, hunting wise, that means I probably can shoot 20 yards. So when I'm practicing for bow, I, I'm practicing at 80 yards, so I can shoot at 40 yards in a hunting situation. And and bow and arrow just takes constant constant practice. So that's you know I think those are things that you have to have to do to be prepared when you're actually heading out in the field is, is be proficient with your, with whatever weapon you're using. Yeah. Kind of going the other direction or, or the other side of the coin, what uh, maybe in like the last five years, for example, what, uh, what is something that you've become better at as a hunter? Uh, patience for sure. Patience. That, that was one of my weak points. Uh, in the past was, was, uh, you know, just rushing, trying to get, you know, make things happen. And, and nowadays I'm a lot more patient about it. I don't get too wound up. It's, it's, you know, just let, sometimes you just got to sit back and let things happen, you know, and, and just being in a situation, being out there is, is opportunity and, and doesn't help to get, you know, push harder. It's sometimes you just, got to push less and, yeah. and like I say, let, let things happen. So I'm definitely a more patient hunter nowadays. So I'm going to read you a, I'm going to read you a quote 
from Outdoor Life, and I want you to tell me just what your thoughts are on this. And this is referring to you. Um, the most Jim is the most accomplished big game hunter of the modern era, having taken arguably the most free-range big game species by any living hunter. I'm just curious how that how that makes you feel, and and uh, and you know, kind of. I I don't know what what I'm trying to get at. Um, but what, what what are your what are your thoughts when you hear something uh, you know like that about yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, there's there's uh, you know a million hunters that are better at what they're hunting than I would be. So so I uh, you know a local local guy down in Maryland hunting Sitka deer you know, in the, or Sika deer in the, you know, the, the swamps, he, he's going to be a better hunter than I am at, at getting those animals. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, most accomplished, most accomplished. I mean, I guess that's, you know, I guess it's the way you look at the, you know, the meaning of that, that I know there's a lot better hunters than I am. I mean, any, I was just out of Mexico hunting red rocket deer and my, my guide Hector you know, he's by far a better hunter than I am. He sees better. His, his, his hearing is better. I, I said it on camera when we were videoing it. And as we walked along at a, you know, three mile an hour pace down old logging roads, he was seeing things and, and hunting at a different level than I was. And it's a much higher plane. Like, you know, he was, he was stopping and saying, look, here's a little fruit that this you know, gootie is eating. As he walked, there's a jaguar track over. Oh, here's where a red rocket deer passed. Here's a, here's where a uh, cola blank of the nano cola blank of the white tailed deer crossed right through here. Um, you know, this, this are, these ants are coming from this tree, which is a type of tree that you can't touch. He, you know, his, his hunting playing was so much higher than mine. He was a different dimension. And I said it on camera. You know, that is a great and accomplished hunter. Now, yes, I can see those things, but I have to walk at a, a, a pace, you know, literally a crawl and be looking, you know, and investigating, and, and I'm still going to be missing things that, that he's seeing. You know, I, I couldn't, he was assimilating it at a three miles an hour pace. I, you know, it was incredible. It was, it was wonderful to see uh, a truly accomplished hunter at home in his own backyard hunting. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. There's, there's great hunters out there. I'm sure you're a better mule deer hunter than I'll ever be, an elk hunter. I, I could find one, you know, in a school gymnasium, you know, that's devoid of, of anything but basketballs. I, I wouldn't be able to find an elk. I'm a horrible elk hunter. I do. So, you know, <laughs> you know so, so the, well, I, I may be, but if it was a moose, I'd find it. <laughs> you know, so, so, I mean, I, I have my areas where, you know, I consider myself, pretty darn good and a lot of experience, you know, moose, whitetails and, you know, Saskatchewan moose up in the Yukon and BC. I, I probably could dump me anywhere and I had a moose. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I'm accomplished in, in those fields, but there's much better hunters in, in around the world for the, in their local areas. I think maybe what they were getting at for that article is there's maybe nobody's traveled as much and, and hunted as much kind of everywhere 
So, you know, I can tell you what red rocket deer, and I can tell you that they eat the Amapoli flower that only flowers, you know, sort of two weeks ago, you know, here in February and two weeks from now. So there's a month window. I would think that most hunters around the world don't know that. Yeah. You know, so so I think that's what they were getting at was that, you know, my accomplishment is based on a, a, a general knowledge of around the world in, in as many hunting situations as there are possible. I mean, there's four, 390 species of big game free range animals you can hunt in the world right now, approximately, give or take. You know, I, and I've hunted 370 of them. So there's 20 that I haven't hunted, and it's, you know, mostly be just because of cost for those. I mean, it's $150,000 to hunt a Nastor Markor in Pakistan. And, you know, to hunt a Bukhar Markor in Tajikistan is, is probably 125000 You know, I'm not going to spend that kind of dollars, and so I'll never hunt those. Um, and there are other hunters that have, but I, th- I think probably... 370 big game species. Um, I, I know that uh, Valentin Madriego, the Spanish hunter who passed away probably 20 years ago, I think he got up to 356 species when he passed away. And Ken Barr, I, I think, won the Weatherby Award with 344 uh, species a couple years ago. Um, you know, Craig Boddington was probably about 300, 300. 20, I don't know, so who knows what, when he won it this year. So, you know, there's Hector Quelliar down in Mexico. Hard to say how many species Hector's hunted. He's, he's in his 80s right now, and he got to hunt in the days when he could hunt India for tigers. So, you know, he might be up in the same kind of numbers as what I have. Uh, Rex Baker's probably up in the 300s. Rennie Snyder's up in the, you know, 325 to 330. So I think that's what the weather be or the uh, outdoor life article was was uh, making reference to is that there's not anybody living or dead that's hunted as many species as I have. But that doesn't, you know, that makes me accomplished in knowledge and travel and you know local knowledge. And like I say, the red rocket deer, you know, I know how to hunt them, I know where to hunt them, I know what they eat. You know, I hunted them many times, and so I have some knowledge of that. But I'm not an expert compared to the, the locals. They're just better. And there always will be, and I'm personally always on. Do you, of those 370, and I know this is a big question, but do you have a maybe a memorable hunting story that you can tell us from one of those 370? You know, not anywhere near as memorable as, as the hunts where I wasn't a hunter, but, you know, Eva was, or our son Bramland, or, or my father, Hal, or, you know, my father in law, Len. I mean, that those hunts. Way, I mean, way, way, way more to me than any one of the 370 animals that, that you know. I mean, it's not 370 species, that, you know, because I didn't just hunt one of each. I mean, I've hunted, you know, 100 white-tailed deer and, mm-hmm. and, you know, 30 moose and 30 caribou and 20 Cape buffalo. I mean, there's, you know, there's, and, and most of those were all with muzzleloader as well. But I, but they don't, they, they don't compare to the memories I have of, you know, Eva's first bear. Or, or Brandon, our son's first white-tailed deer, you know, or, or or my father's last white-tailed deer. You know, those are those memories are the ones that uh, that I keep long-term. My my own hunts, yeah, they're memorable. Of course, they are. Every every one means something to me. And again, 
whether it's a you know black and rufous elephant true from Zanzibar Island or or a mountain lion you know in my own opening territory in Vancouver Island you know I know every one of them that I've hunted and I can remember every hunt like it was yesterday but you know the most meaningful ones aren't with me being the hunter that's with with my fa- friends and family around me being the hunters what uh, what advice if if you were to go back and give your twenty year old self um, you know a piece of advice what advice would you give your twenty year old self right now? <laughs> uh, wait till you're twenty six and you'll find Louise and, uh, <laughs> and live happily ever after. Yeah, the uh, you know twenty years old the if if you want to make a living in the hunting industry and, and love hunting, then you have to get yourself a job in the hunting industry and, and, uh, and not, not be golden handcuffed by a job that may pay more, you know, so you can have a fancier truck. Um, you know, you, you have to stay in the industry and, and, uh, and accept that you're never going to drive around in a private jet. Uh, you know, your buddies are going to have fancier cars than you, but when, you know, when you turn 40, 50, 60, and you look back on your life, you will have no regrets where every one of those guys will be wishing that, you know, they had your life that they could, uh, you know, they have to get up in the morning, go do jobs they don't want to do. Yeah. And, and they've done it for 40 years You know, you get one life. So live, you know, live that life, do, do what you want to do, what you love to do. And there's always, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. If you don't have the will, then don't ever regret the choices that you make because you never really had the will to put the effort into, to do that job. And everybody can, I mean, you can move to Alaska where there's better hunting than, you know, whatever state you happen to be in, if that's what you want to do. And there's certainly jobs in the hunting industry up there. It's just, it depends on your, your will. And, and uh, you know, I, I, like I say, if, if truly, if that's what you want, then you have to be all in at 20, at 30, you know, whatever, whatever age you make the decision. Just go all in and, and accept the reality that you're not going to be rich in dollars, but you'll be rich in experiences. And in the end, you know, the, the, our money can be taken from us. Or, or things can be taken from us, but nobody can ever take your experiences. You, you can't; those are yours forever. Yeah. So, so like I say, you, you'll you'll never regret doing what you love doing because you know it's not the other stuff can be taken away from you. But if you love what you're doing, that's yours forever. Yeah, I mean, you've you've clearly gone all in and and left you know what I would consider a, a legacy. Um, you know, so far, and you probably have more, uh, more planned and ahead of you. But if, if say, say you were looking back, um, at, at the end of your life, whenever that is hopefully a long time down the road, you're, you're still young, right? What, 60 or so? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I take that as a compliment. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm 60. Yeah. Um, what, uh, you know, when you look back, uh, what, what do you think, what would you say will be the most important part of your legacy that you, that you leave behind? I've been asked that question before, and honestly, if if 
you know, if I have a legacy, I, I would love it to be that, you know, I made a difference on, you know, a positive difference on the perception of hunting and hunters. You know, that's, that's what I'd like it to be. That, that, you know, I've maybe changed people's mind, set a good example for hunters to, to follow, you know, changed non-hunters' minds about hunting and hunters in, in a positive way. And, and maybe given a, given a, uh, or, you know, built a, a trail that is easier to follow for the next generations of hunters. And, the, you know, they can turn it into a highway of, of how to present hunting to the non-hunting public. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if I, if I had a legacy that just kind of made a positive difference on how the non-hunting world thinks of hunters and, and hunting. Um, one, one last kind of thing here. And then I, I have just a little quick kind of fire round of questions that are just, you know, this or that type things. But, um, I, I found a picture that I, I think you had posted. I, I, I hope that you had posted it at least. Um, it was on your, your Facebook fan page thing. Um, and it was, it was from quite a while ago. Um, but it was a picture, it, it caught my attention for a couple reasons. Um, it, it was a picture of Louise and she was kind of, uh, had the, a sunset in the background. And what really caught my attention was you, you were, you know, I, I assume it was you, uh, captioned, um, who says there is no God. And I was curious if you could talk about how hunting I, and, 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 and I'm going to make a huge assumption that you're, that you're Christian at least, um, or that you believe in a, a higher power, but talk maybe, or correct me if I'm wrong. And then if I'm, if I'm not, maybe talk about how hunting has strengthened your belief in God. You know, I'm not, I'm not a follower of any particular doctrine or church. You know, I, but do I believe in a God? Absolutely. You know, impossible not to, to believe in that. Look around. You know, I, I've just traveled so much around the world and heard so many intelligent, articulate people, you know, tell me ab- about their particular religion. And, and, you know, they're, they're all right. They're all right. And, and you know, the, the bottom line is, you know, th- this is just too complicated a thing, this existence, this, you know, the, the fact that you know, we have minds and, and, you know, we can't see them, but souls, but a spirituality, I mean, uh, of course there's, there's a God, you know, but I, I kind of believe it's, you know, God is in everything and everyone. Um, you know, to say that I'm a Christian, you know, sure. I mean, I grew up, I grew up Protestant. Um, my wife is Catholic and, you know, I mean, certainly there's, there's, you know, that that's so important, you know, the, the, to have faith and, and yeah, you know, I have faith absolutely that, that there's a God and it lives in whatever that God is, you know, it's in everything, everything that we see. And then the outdoors that, you know, that I've said it before, the outdoors is my cathedral. You know, that, that's where I, that's where I worship. That's, that's where, the flock is, and, and uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you you, you can stick me in a um, you know, in, inside a 
you know, a particular doctrine. I don't know that I fit in that. So, so I, I'm kind of in a roundabout way saying, yeah, I, I absolutely believe there, there's a God. You, you can't not have that. I mean, look at the birth of your own child or, you know, now grandchildren for us. Like, really? This is, this is just, you know, from what, uh, uh, you know, a big bang. I mean, sure. Okay. What caused that? You know, whatever you say is, is fine, but what, what caused that? You know, there's just, you, there's too many questions that we can't answer. And we, we want to believe we, we can, and we, we put it in our own words. Like I say, I've heard it from so many different people all around the world, their own words, uh, you know, their version of, of what it is. And essentially it's a spirituality that we all have. And, and it's just whether we have the faith to believe that there's a God or not. Yeah, I, I believe. And, and the outdoors brings me closer to that belief. And it should bring every Christian, every, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, Muslim or Hindu or, or Christian, you know, name some of the big ones. It's, you walk outside, you can't deny that there's a God. There is, yeah. you know, and, and all through history, we've, as human beings, we've, we believed in that and, and I believe in that. Well, and, and I appreciate that coming from someone who, you know, has, has been an idol of mine since I was old enough to know what hunting was. And, um, and, and then furthermore, someone who is, who's, who's traveled, you know, and, and seen people in all corners of the earth. You know, I, I used to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely Christian and I have my religion and people who have listened to the podcast probably know what religion I am. And I, I used to get caught up in, you know, may, not, not necessarily trying to convert everyone that I, that I came across to my religion, but I, I used to, um, you know, try to, try to, you know, conversate with them and, and discuss, you know, why this religion was more correct than that religion. And finally, one day I realized that that wasn't the battle that I should be fighting. Um, and, and that the, the, the real important thing was just that we had the common ground that, that, like you said, that there, there was a higher power, that there is a God, um, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll testify of that, uh, you know, until I die that, you know, that I know there's a God and, and that I know that we have, we all have that spirit that, that you're talking about. We all have that in us, regardless of who we are, where we're born, what part of the earth we live in. And, and, you know, re- relative to hunting on, on a much smaller, less important scale, um, it, it, to me, the, the thing that kept coming to mind while you were talking is, you know, th- this is like hunters who one hunter shoots a compound and one hunter shoots a rifle and one shoots a muzzleloader and one shoots a longbow and we're, and we're kind of all fighting amongst ourselves and, you know, I'm not, not to get too deep with that, but I mean, you know, it, the bigger fight isn't, you know, which weapon we should all be hunting with. It's, you know, let's just, let's just find the common ground, I think. And, uh, you know, and, and start with that, you know, and start, start with the fact that we're all hunters, you know, and that we all want to protect the thing that we care about. So. Yep. I agree a hundred percent. You've said exactly what I believe as well. It's, uh, we're kindred spirits. It doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter 
like you say, what, what we use, what we, you know, whether we like baiting or hunting with dogs or you know, who we voted for, you know, we're kindred spirits. We, we, and, and we have that, that spirituality in common. And, and it's the same for religion. We're, we're all people, right? You know, how we, how we voice what you know our, our beliefs are is one thing, but ultimately we're all people that have kind of the same beliefs, you know, regardless of, of and same thing, like you say, it's compound bow versus muzzleloader or, or, you know, crossbow versus rifle. It's, it's, but we're all hunters, right. you know, and we all love hunting. So, so I, I, I agree. You're, uh, I think you're, you're, you're on a great course uh, and that's, that, that comes from wisdom. I mean, it comes from, it, uh, it's a, it is, it is wisdom and you your travel, travel certainly helps speed up that process of getting to that point where, where you realize, Hey, we're all people. Right. We're all people. And we all want the same thing to live happily ever after and to have faith in, in something, some, some belief structure that, that, you know, makes sense in this world that kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like I say, like I tried to say, the Big Bang. Okay, well, that, that sure that makes sense. What was there before that? You know, that doesn't make sense anymore. So you you have to believe in a God. You have to. You have to. And like I say, we're all people. Awesome. We all want the same things. That's awesome. That was worth. That was worth. Uh, you know, the hour-long conversation. I think that was. That's going to be something that I'll carry with me the rest of my life. That conversation. So I appreciate that. Um, so my my listeners will expect um, that we do this fire round, and I'll I'll be quick because I know your time is getting short here. But and th- these are a lot more uh, light-hearted questions here. So, and you'll you'll get the picture on the first one. So I'll ask you: elk, mule deer, or antelope? And I know with you that that's not really fair because those are maybe three species that you don't hunt as often as you know my listeners. But if you had to choose, what's your favorite between elk, mule deer, and uh, antelope? I, I would say antelope, just because you know, <laughs> they're the ones that I can actually find. <laughs> the, uh, the the elk, definitely least favorite, because it doesn't seem to matter when I hunt them or where I hunt them. They they shape shift, and you know it's one of those. You should have been here last week. They're roaring like crazy, <laughs> or, or bugling. You know, you should be here next week, or whatever. It's, you know, elk are my nemesis. You mule deer. You know, I'm a whitetail hunter from way back, so I you know I don't. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't hold them as, uh, for me personally, as in the same regard as whitetails because that's where I grew up hunting. But yeah. I appreciate them, uh, which which leaves pronghorn. Uh, you know, I can I can find a pronghorn if you set me loose on the Wyoming plains. I will find a pronghorn. <laughs> yeah, just drive the highway. You'll see hundreds of them. Perfect. Perfect. Um, okay, mechanical or fixed blade broadhead. Uh, mechanical always for me. Uh, I, I'm from the old school when fixed blades were, you know, they were the, the sort of kings of the castle. Then the mechanicals came in and they were crappy. Um, and as an outfitter, I, you know, I'd, I'd have to deal with the fallout from those crappy mechanicals. But that's changed. You know, I, I use rage, and, and the main reason I, I like them is is because I don't have to switch. You know, my change my sights from field tips to, uh, to, uh, broadheads. I just practice with my rage field tip and then use my rage broadhead and don't have to change anything. So for me, it's, it's more a uh, convenience. Right. 
and they are so efficient nowadays. People say they had issues with them. Well, that's because you hit solid bone, and I don't care what you hit with solid bone. It's not, you know, even a fixed blade isn't going to work unless it's a two-blade monolithic 175-ground grain broadhead grizzly tip or something, and then, you know, a 700-grain arrow. Then it's going to go through a shoulder blade and bone and whatnot. But uh, with Rage, just hit them in the in the cage, like they say. Just hit them in the cage. You're, you're going to get it. It makes too big a cut not to find the animal. Yeah. Yeah, every I remember when when I first got into hunting, bow hunting, you know, maybe 13, 15 years ago or whatever. Every problem that I had with mechanicals at the time in the last, you know, 10 plus years seems to have been fixed. So, I'm I'm a yeah. big I'm a big yeah, fan so of mechanicals too. Yeah. No, they they're to me the best nowadays. Um this will also seem kind of silly to ask someone like you, but what is what is your dream hunt? <laughs> well, if it's a if it's a dream, I'd love to have a hunt with my father, my father-in-law, my son, and my daughter, you know, all together yeah. one more time. You know that that would be uh, that would be a dream hunt. You know, you know, the dream can't come true, at least not in this particular iteration of our lives. But uh, who knows? Who knows? Right? Yeah. If there's a heaven, then maybe maybe. And if I ever get there, if I qualify, then uh, maybe we can have that that dream hunt. Oh, I, th- I think you'll do just fine in the, in the heaven category. Um, so speaking of Eva and I know, you know, Brandlin, I, I think people are familiar with his story. He, he's, a, he's understands hunting obviously and, and, uh, accepts it and, you know, but he's just not, he's not actively as, as big of a hunter as Eva. So I'll, I'll ask you relative to Eva, um, who's, who is a better hunter, you or Eva? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I mean, hopefully Eva's listening to this podcast. I, I'll put it this way. I hope so too, because uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to bait her onto the podcast. If you can't tell, to to defend her honor. So if you could, if you yeah, could just poke you know, the bear a little bit, that'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I've hunted a lot more than Eva. I'm just older. I'm 30 years older, and, and uh, you know, I have literally thousands of hunting days under my belt that, that Eva, you know, probably won't get. I mean, she's not a professional. I was a professional hunter, a guide, you know, so even when I wasn't hunting for myself, I was guiding. I mean, I've guided 350 clients to their animals in my career. Um, you know, that, that's a lot of extra hunting days and you gain a lot of hunting knowledge and skills and abilities. So, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a better hunter than Eva. <laughs> There's, there, I said it. Uh, you know, but I say it with with uh, qualifiers. I mean, Eva is a great field shot, you know, and great at targets. I mean, she is truly a natural gifted shot with a with a with a gun. Um, you know, she she's got she's got skill. She's got better eyes than I do. She's you know, younger, obviously. Um, so, so, but, but I don't, you know, she's got a, an appreciation for hunting that maybe I was a little more driven and missed some of the beauty of hunting, which makes her a better hunter, yeah. you know, for, for just the sheer appreciation of being out in the wildlands. You know, she's never been caught up in that, you know, gotta be this size and I gotta you know, climb that next mountain. I gotta, you know, push, 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 push. You know, Evie just loves every second she's out in the woods. So, you know, 
I, I take that back. He's a better hunter than I am. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, so, so how, how's that for answering, but not really answering, but, uh, but, uh, you know, and, and protecting my daughter's honor. Uh, you know, she, she's, he, he was a great hunter. She, yeah. she truly is, but you know, we're, we're different when it comes to hunting. No one, no one will ever question Eva's ability to hunt. That's for sure. Um, what is your favorite backcountry food item? <laughs> if it, it depends, if I'm if I'm backpacking, you know, it's different than if I've got my Argo there. If I've got my Argo, then it's absolutely Twizzlers. <laughs> you know, that's uh, I couldn't. You know, Twizzlers are are one of the major food groups to me. The uh, but if I'm if I'm backpacking, you know, Smarties <laughs> in, in my trail mix. I, I mean, I'll pick through the entire trail mix and and uh, you know, just looking for for a Smartie, you know, just just because it's it, it has that little bit of chocolate and energy, yeah. you know. But I, I I tend to carry less than more, so I'm always on the verge of starving and and. Uh, like I say, one one smarty goes a long, long way when you're up on that that mountain and been there for ten days and eating freeze dried. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I, like I say, that's don't don't. I'll give you some advice. Don't ever try and steal one of my smarties from my trail mix bag if I'm if we were, were backpacking because yeah. it's very very. I get I get very tribal and possessive and uh, and also predatory. I'll probably chew your arm off. So my, yeah, Twizzler, Twizzlers and Smarties. Mine is the uh, the smiley face uh, fruit snacks from Walmart. So when I'm in the back, oh, yeah. <laughs> as long as I can rip one of those open at the end of the day, it's all going to be good. So yeah, well, exactly right. Yeah. Awesome, Jim. Where um, one one last question, but where uh, where can people uh, find you, or where would you? Where's maybe the next project that you'd like people to uh, to check out or? Uh, you know, I mean, social media, Facebook and, and, uh, Instagram is the best way to follow what we're doing. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I, I always have one last question that I ask, uh, all my guests, but first I, I like to, um, to give them credit and, and, and you're an easy one. Um, but I, I'd like to give you credit first for, for just just being the legend, um, honestly, like you, you are the hunting ambassador of my lifetime. Um, I'm beyond humbled that you even <clears throat> took the time out of your your busy busy life to sit down and talk with just some random kid from Southern Nevada, uh, Bunkerville. So um, I also want to give you credit for for putting family first. It's it's not even a I don't even have to ask. I know that um, your family is the most important thing to you, and that's. It's unfortunately maybe rare these days, especially for someone who's in your position. And then, and then last thing, um, I just, I want to give you credit for, uh, you know, the, the conversation that we had about, um, you know, having, having faith in, in a higher being, and this isn't a religious podcast, but, you know, I'm, I, I openly talk about, um, you know, God. And, and so I, I want to give you credit for, um, understanding it, it, it sounds like to me, you understand that, you know, there's, there's something bigger going on here and that we're just, you know, we're just a piece of it. So, um, give you credit for all those things. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And as far as the last one goes, I'm sitting here looking out my window, you know, with the clouds and the blue sky and the, 
the willows are you know, waving in the wind and the, you know, the big giant oak tree is about to bud. The grass is just starting to go green. I mean, <laughs> yeah, how can anybody deny that there's, there's a greater power? It's impossible. Just look outside. Perfect. Okay, Jim, my last question for you is why do you hunt the backcountry? I, I love the challenge. I mean, I, I love the challenge. I, I, you know, I'm not so, so enamored with being surrounded by people either. So I, I kind of like to get away from people and that, you know, those two, two reasons it's, it's uh, to get back to nature, you know, away from the hustle and bustle and you know, the, the everyday world we live in mostly urbanized and, and the challenge of hunting back there. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're truly hunting like they did in the olden days you know, with your, your gear on your back and putting miles on and you're just sitting glassing. Uh, the challenge is great. It's, it's, and, and of course the accomplishment is directly proportional to the challenge. So the greater the challenge, the greater the accomplishment. Uh, so for me, uh, being goal oriented, I, I love the challenge. Those, those two reasons, getting away from people and the challenge. Perfect. Jim, thank you so much. Thanks again for jumping on. I appreciate it. Um, just can't say enough and uh, hope that the rest of your season and all your hunts coming up, uh, you travel safe and are successful. Yeah, I'll do that. And thanks for having me on there, Dustin. Appreciate it. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you again. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.